How's it going, everyone? Welcome to Fear Frequency, a weekly horror podcast. It's episode 85, and I'm your host, Jimmy Champagne. And as always, I'm joined by my best friend and co-host, George Frazar. Hey, what's up? How's it going? Good. How's your week? It's only Monday, so I guess it can't be too bad. <laughs> can't be going that bad. We're coming off a fairly successful Oscars run last night, so not, not too bad. Yeah, I guess we should talk about that real quick. The Oscars weren't bad this year, which was wild. Like... A lot of good movies are nominated, like Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Joker, 1917, Parasite, and all of the best movies won, in my opinion. Yeah, there's a lot of um, a lot of variety this year. Some cool movies. I mean, even, I know A24 got mostly snubbed, uh, but, I mean, Lighthouse is up for cinematography, so that's something. Yeah, I feel like the Academy was like, what? Four by three in black and white? <laughs> that's bad cinematography. <laughs> I mean, that one... It's filmed like an old movie. <laughs> that one was kind of a gimme for 1917, since that movie's entire gimmick was the cinematography, that it was like one shot. So yeah. if that was going to be like in the Oscars, there was no way that wasn't going to win for cinematography. That's true. I feel that. Was Joker up for cinematography? Like, honestly, I don't even know what was up for uh, what. I, th- I cared zero. I think so, but I'm not entirely sure. I didn't know that the Oscars were yesterday. Until you texted me and asked if I was going to watch them. And then I was like, yeah, I guess. I have cable. So, they're pretty good. Yeah. I'm glad Parasite won Best Picture. That was cool. Yeah, for me, I, I wasn't going to be upset if that or Once Upon a Time in Hollywood won. A lot of people out there don't understand that just because you speak English in a movie, that doesn't make, you a, make it an American movie. <laughs> like, that's lost on people. So, like, if a movie is made in you know, the UK, but it's put out by an American company. I think it's worthy, like, I think it's allowed to be in the Oscars. And Parasite was distributed in America by um, the Alamo Drafthouse side label Neon Pictures. So therefore, it is eligible to win an Oscar. I don't, I don't fucking understand. Yeah, I mean, to me, what, where the disconnect is for people. If it's shown in an American theater, it should be eligible i don't understand the, the the disconnect there yeah and people are like well there's two there's two uh two categories for a reason they've got you know best foreign feature and best picture i'm like well what if the best foreign feature was better than all of the right. best picture nominees like shouldn't it be able to be best picture and they're like well then the american movies can't be in best foreign feature it's like yeah because the best foreign features don't have budgets of a hundred million dollars <laughs> And massive marketing campaigns. Oh, and you have to read them most of the time. So they're at a huge disadvantage. Like, I, I don't know. I just don't understand. That's like the argument there. And then people were, the main argument was that Joker should have beaten it. And like, look, I love Joker. Part of the reason I like it so much is because people are so fucking stupid <laughs> that the like whole point of the movie just like skyrockets careening at Mach 5 over their head and they don't even notice it. Like a lot of people out there, it seems like, or maybe they're just willfully being ignorant, which is just as bad. That's like part of the reason I really like Joker, just because it fucked with so many different people in so many different ways. Like, you know, the media really wanted a school shooting to happen, obviously. Right. They were like willing it into existence. That's like the media. <laughs> and then you got, you've got these people who are like saying shit like, uh, you, you, think, you think Arthur Fleck has it bad. Think about how other people have it it's like yeah okay i guess like can people not have bad days like like it doesn't invalidate what happened to him just because you have it a little bit worse 
Like the whole point is he's a fucking bad guy too. Right. So like he's the, a legitimate. You know the the crook <laughs> like has mental problems is the crux of yes. the movie. Right. It's not justifying what he did. It's saying look how fucking weak this guy was that he snapped after dealing with this shit instead of just trying to find more help. Yeah, help. Yes, the the mental health system failed him. You know, like mm-hmm. local government failed him. But at the end of the day, he made a choice, you know? Yeah. Which was bad. And look, look we just unpacked the whole core of this movie <laughs> that seemingly is like just out of reach for so many people. I just don't understand. So, but yeah, at the end of the day, I don't think Joker was a better movie than Parasite. No. Uh, I think Once Upon a Time in Hollywood was better than Parasite, but it's subjective. Yeah. I mean, it's just, and you know. I think it was cool that Parasite won. Like, I think what it stands for, Parasite winning, is cooler than the movie I wanted to win winning, you know? Yeah, completely. I was totally happy to see it, uh, to see it win Best Picture. I thought that was a, a cool moment first foreign film to win it so hopefully more to come yeah uh, he, i heard he's working on like westernizing it for an hbo series yeah. that mark ruffalo is going to star i in. saw that too i'm not sure how i feel about that <laughs> like i'll watch it but i just don't know why it needs yeah. that like why can't people just watch the movie <laughs> right it feels like that always happens and then people get more excited for that and then it's not as good right it's like and then they're like, ah, oh, I should have just watched the original movie. And then they don't. Because <laughs> they're like, they saw the plot of it play out already right. in the worst version. But you know what's a weird one of those is The Grudge. They remade that in America, obviously, back in like 2004 or something. But um, the guy who directed Juan directed The Grudge here. So he just directed the same movie again, but in English. Yeah, there's a lot of weird, like foreign adaptations like that there was this one show i watched that was a uk show i forget what it was called but it was like david Tennant played a detective in it in the uk version and then they tried to bring it over to america and they brought him to play the same character in the american version really weird (laughs) yeah and uh being human i know has a british version too which i don't like as much as the really cool american version but yeah, that's this is odd. Everyone should watch Parasite. You can rent it now. It's back in theaters, and you can just buy it on iTunes, which is what I did. So there's a lot of different ways to watch it. You owe it to yourself. It's a great movie. Not a horror movie. For some reason, people like to call it a horror movie, but uh, I don't know. Thriller at some points, I guess. Oh, okay. So George, I put a reminder here for myself mm-hmm. and audience. You got I got I gotta send George an image. I need to get his thoughts on it. I'll put it somewhere so people can see it. Like, if you're listening, you can probably just go to my Twitter and I'll tweet it out. I'll say, like, this is the image that I showed George. <laughs> or I'll link to it in the uh, I'll link to it in the podcast description as well. I don't know how accessible that is, though. All right, George, I'm sending you an image, and I just want to hear your thoughts on it real quick. Can you describe it? I texted it to you. <laughs> this, is, via- this is very <laughs> bizarre. Can you explain to the audience what I just sent to you? This is just a fun game. God damn it. I hate this so much. So this has been Jimmy's ongoing joke where he sends this picture of what appears to be a chicken skeleton with a bunch of guts all over it. From the hit movie Crow's Nest from 2011. (laughs) I just found this movie. I don't. I haven't seen it yet. 
Uh, but this this is the image. <laughs> Instead of like a poster or like anything traditional that you would release with a movie, it's like a YouTube thumbnail is the only thing people use to identify this movie. <laughs> it's actually a human skeleton that looks like it was like picked clean, obviously, by a bear or something. But I, I looked, I kind of spoiled a little bit of the movie for myself. It's a found footage movie uh, that involves cannibals. So it's like an eaten human skeleton. Uh, but George doesn't like it, so I just wanted to get the the reaction on air for you guys. Maybe we should talk about that. Maybe I'll watch that for next week. Finally, yeah. I just I've been busy, as we'll get into. <laughs> I, it's weird that I haven't seen it yet. You know, it's been like this has been going on for a couple weeks. It's definitely been a point of conversation for a while now. It's I I think it's important. <laughs> I don't know why though. <laughs> I haven't quite pieced together why it's important. But anyways, George, what do you, what have you been watching this week? Or the past couple weeks, I guess. Uh, yeah, so I guess first thing on my list that I watched, uh, Under the Silver Lake. It's a A24 movie from a couple years ago that's on <laughs> Amazon Prime now. Finally got your hands Finally on that Finally got one. my hands on it because I was scrolling through Amazon Prime and it was on there. And it was something I wanted to check out but never got around to it. Uh, Directed by the famous David Robert Mitchell. Behind such films as It Follows. Yeah, and uh, starring Andrew Garfield. There was a weird thing where people were waiting forever. This movie kept getting delayed because A24 was like, we don't know when the fuck to release this <laughs> because no one's going to see it. But we sunk a bunch of money into it. And then eventually they just relented and released it on Blu-ray or something. I, I think that's what happened. But it randomly, I guess because A24 didn't distribute it overseas, it just randomly showed up on, um, what's that website? I think it's called Diabolic DVD, that website Shockwave's always talk like pimps on their show. Uh-huh. It just showed up on there like a year, year and a half ago. <laughs> so people were just buying that version. And then you obviously needed a PAL player, which a lot of people have and don't know it. And so that's how that movie kind of got over here. But now it's on Amazon Prime. How was it? I loved it, honestly. I think it's really cool. Um, it's a weird one to explain because it's like very psychological and it's like a lot of homages to older films it does have kind of a horror spin to it like it definitely relies a lot on like a hitchcockian vibe okay Um, i like that it's really cool though like stylistically it's awesome uh andrew garfield is a really good leading man i've always liked him he's been a you know i just think he's a great actor and i think if you missed it it's on amazon prime and everyone should check this one out so it also says you have sabrina season three here but you were telling me that it's not very good. <laughs> and since then, I've heard that from other people that the season three kind of resets the board, I guess, for the show, but yeah. in a bad way. So I'm actually excited for what's coming next. Uh, like s- spoilers, I guess. Anybody who watches this show, I think I'm like, it's like me and an army of teenage girls that watch this. But okay, um, the setup for season four is uh, Lovecraftian Monsters to come in oh okay so that's kind of swinging back into the comic world yeah um but essentially the plot of this season is uh sabrina is like vying for her position as queen of hell and like some things for this season work for me that are like as good as the other seasons like i like the demonic stuff and the like spells and all that but so I was looking on the Sabrina subreddit, and apparently th- this trend came over because on Riverdale, they started adding music 
as like a yes. core part of the show and people <coughs> who are fans of that show really like it for some reason so right. in sabrina they added like three songs like three or four weird songs <laughs> like they have full musical episodes in riverdale like i know they did heather's like they have full-on musical recreation episodes for no reason I mean, they didn't do anything that extreme, but there are definitely, like, whole-ass musical segments of the show that are never addressed. It just, like, they'll sometimes break in a song, and all of Sabrina's, like, human friends have a garage band where they just play, like, early 2000s rock music for whatever reason. So all that stuff is, like, really weird, and I don't understand why it's in the show at all. And this has never uh, crossed over with Riverdale, like, other than so, passing mention, right? Because they're in Greendale? Yeah, I mean, technically, so there is a connection with Riverdale this season, because they go to Riverdale for, like, a mystic item, and I guess oh, the, weird. Uh, like, they have to steal a crown from this guy, and, like, the guy who protects it is supposedly the ancestor of the redheaded chick on... Uh, Riverdale, the like cheerleader oh, okay. girl, but I, Cheryl I, I Blossom. Yeah, it's like okay. her great ancestor. So I guess there's technically some crossover in this season. That's interesting. I almost said cool, <laughs> but I don't. I don't know that it is cool. Yeah, I so, mean, this season was definitely a little rough around the edges. I mean, overall, I I still like. I'm definitely gonna finish it. I hope season four is the last one. Um, oh, really? But, you wanted to wrap up that quick? Yeah, I, I think it's time. <laughs> I think it's definitely time. Well, lucky for you, it's going to go on for like 10 more seasons, probably, because it is just a disguised CW show. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, I know. Very interesting. Uh, before we get into Birds and Prey, Birds of Prey, we saw a movie a couple weeks ago called Gretel and Hansel, which was interesting because it's from Osgood Perkins, the guy behind one of our favorite movies, The Black Coat's Daughter. Now, this one is a weird one. Because it's put out by, um, it's not put out by A24. That's why it's interesting. Because it looks like it's at least tangentially related to The Witch. And it's basically a very just simple retelling of the Hansel and Gretel story. And that's what you get. That's pretty much all it is. It's been, the movie's like 80 minutes long. Yeah. And it's surprisingly like, it, like it has so little like substance to the plot. And, like, to the movie. The set dressing looks really cool. Like, the sets that they set up are really awesome. And, like, the costumes and everything all work really well. But it's just, like, you kind of have to be in, like, this weird, like, story tale days, really. But there's not, like, enough story to really string you along. So you really just kind of have to, like, you know, absorb the set dressing as, like, Which the only thing Which I like. I appreciate to. that. But there's nothing deeper to glean from it. The, the whole story is like, what if, what if, George, li are you listening? What if mm -hmm. Gretel was also kind of a witch? What? Guys, we got to make this movie. So then they make this movie, and when she encounters the witch, the witch is like, yo, I'm going to train your ass to be a witch. But uh, I'm going to kill your brother because he's like a massive distraction. And he's, you know, masking your potential, I guess. And then yeah, it's not really the, clear. the plan is foiled. Like that's that's the whole plot. And this is so honestly, it's a five minute story spread across eighty minutes. 
And you get some like very nice eye candy, like George mentioned. And about halfway through, for no reason, the witch just suddenly gets extremely hot, which was... (laughs) I'm not complaining about that. And the room in which she's allowed to be... like a, She goes from like, you know, an old woman to like a total 10. Mm -hmm. Goth chick. Yeah. Who looks... To be, but just to be frank, looks completely out of place in the movie. Like she looks like she stepped out of a portal from 2020. You know, like right. She, like just, not, she doesn't look not time appropriate at all. And there is some weird right. stuff. Like there's like a slide outside of her house that's like fairly modern. So yes. it's like very I, odd. I, I don't know like what kind of time period they're trying to place this in, or if it's supposed to be sort of like you know like weird, <laughs> unsure area of time or something. Right. And I just want to point out, I'm, I'm going to spoil the end in the movie. Why is Hansel allowed to go back to his uh, his his house? Because they, he, they get kicked out because the mom can't afford them. But then he just goes back. And it's all good. Yeah, he takes the axe or whatever. I mean, I took that as like his mom was dead or something. And so he was oh. like, went back there, took the axe, and now he's... Forging his own life, whatever that means. Uh, I did myself a disservice on this movie just a little bit because the day I saw it, it was like a really tough day at work. And so I get to the movie theater and I have a whole hour before the movie starts and I got trashed by accident. (laughs) (laughs) Like I I didn't eat lunch that day and then I, I did two shots of whiskey and then had a two uh, bells too hearted mm-hmm. and then I was like whoa I'm really drunk but that helped <laughs> me enjoy the movie a lot more honestly um yeah I mean I, I can see it, that get, I was like, get you in the right headspace for it yeah I just thought everything was like really cool and the room in which the witch is allowed to be you know extremely hot is really cool it's like it's it's very tall for no reason which bothers me a bit but in a cool way and there's <laughs> yeah, a really I mean, it's long supposed to be sort of like uh yeah unsettling there's a ladder for no reason and there's curtains that cover just a wall for no reason so good set design in this movie osgood perkins really knows how to invoke mood uh story i would say is a bit lacking it's still worth seeing in my opinion even though it is a little pretentious that this movie has its own aspect ratio for no reason (laughs) yeah i mean i would say go see it especially if you're you know into a like fairy tale style dark like a Grimm's fairy tale movie, I think this one yeah. would be right up your alley. I agree. So that was pretty good. So interestingly, though, a movie you have on here that you watched is called Ma. What what inspired <laughs> you? I gotta know, like, because Ma was, you know, it kind of came and went last year. Octavia Spencer kills some kids. Uh, directed by the guy who did the Help. Yeah, the Help. I guess they all slept at his house while they were filming it. Like this was like. <laughs> the lowest of low budgets you know it kind of just felt like friends making a movie but it definitely looked like it was more in the vein of something like truth or dare rather than happy death day you know yeah and i would definitely put it on that end of the blumhouse spectrum so i looked Um, on a letterbox you were right in the middle of everyone i follow in the sense that most (laughs) people either gave it three and a half stars or one star and nothing in between but you were like right in the middle at two and a half you were the outlier (laughs) A meaty two and a half. You found a little less merit than the positive crowd, but a little more merit than the the rest of us. Yeah, so, I mean, I I watched this because it's now on HBO Go, 
And okay. if you can't tell already, I like to go through all my streaming services and pick out movies and watch them on a whim. So okay. this was one that I'd missed. I thought seemed kind of interesting. I had seen clips of it on a plane without any sound before. So I was like, okay. maybe it's time to give this movie a shot <laughs> and just see what it's all about. <laughs> and I mean, it's like, it's very fine like wait can you tell the story about i i missed this so how did you see it on a plane with no sound i feel like this uh, is more interesting than the movie uh, i think it was on my flight it was either on my flight back from california or maybe one of my flights from boston home like after okay. our salem one of our salem trips and i was uh like you know on my ipad hanging out like watching stuff and I got bored and I was kind of spacing out and the I was looking to the the screen in front of me and the person in front of me was watching Ma and so I, I decided to watch a little bit of it and they had subtitles on so I was reading the movie and kind of following along but I couldn't hear anything and I ended up watching like 15 minutes of it and I was like this is stupid I shouldn't be watching Ma secondhand on somebody else's little TV on the plane. Did uh, seeing it with sound live up to the experience of without sound or like which one did you prefer? I would say I preferred the sound. I think the okay. sound is good. Um, okay so what'd you think but it's a really weird movie like i didn't like any of the kid actors uh the premise is deeply strange to me octavia spencer was like pretty good but i mean the whole plot is just extremely bizarre and it was just something i couldn't really get over like i think it was you know it's at least an original idea it's something new something fresh uh but deeply weird and just kind of mediocre. Okay. So like pretty much a Blumhouse movie. Was it was yeah. rated R though, right? Like was it violent or gory? Were any of the kills any good? Um so Octavia Spencer slits a guy's wrist. Um oh, so spoilers for uh the big climax <laughs> of the movie. But so there's this gimmick in the movie that everybody goes to the party at like Ma starts throwing parties for everybody. So all okay. the like high schoolers go to her house. And right. one person who goes to the school is this daughter of a, a priest or a local pastor. And what she does at high school parties is she falls asleep on the couch and pretends to be passed out all night so that people don't pressure her into drinking. And the last part of the movie, she is like tied up in the basement and the basement lights on fire and they get everybody out except her. They just forget that she was in the basement altogether. So she burns up in the house at the end. Oh my god. Is it played off like for comedic effect? No. The thing is, I think they legitimately forgot she was in the movie because they get out every other character that was in there or they're dead already and they just leave her in the ba- like no one mentions Do they acknowledge her it? No. Like what? I think it was legitimately a flub. Like they just forgot that they had another <laughs> character in the basement. Oh my god. That's amazing. <laughs> now I want to watch it. <laughs> I mean it's worth That's it crazy. just for the scene where Octavia Spencer karate kicks a, a pyramid of empty beer cans. Oh, that's in the trailer though, so I've already seen that. Oh, it's pretty good though. Yeah, it it's, it looked cool in the trailer, I will say. <laughs> so, George, I watched a movie called The Headhunter. Have you heard of this before? I've talked uh, about it in proximity of you, I think. 
Yeah, I think it's like that medieval movie. Yeah, it's made by the guy who made Thanks Killing 1 and 3, obviously, because there's no 2. Mm-hmm. Um, they made it for 30 grand, and they went to like Paraguay or some shit to film this, and they hired a Nordic guy. It, it's a very simple setup. It's about a guy whose daughter is killed by a monster, and he's basically going out. He lives in this shitty hut. And he like goes out every day with his cool armor and like kills a different monster. And he's working his way up to the monster that killed his daughter. And mm-hmm. you know, th- there's some there's cool stuff that happens. Like so it's sort of like falling down, but with a monster hunter. Yes, exactly like that. Uh, <laughs> except he's not. He doesn't like uh, you know get a whole SWAT team to come down to the Santa Monica Pier <laughs> at the end and get sniped. So um, he. You know, goes out, tries to find these monsters, works his way up. Pretty cool plot there. There's some cool character moments where, you know, he walks by this castle and everyone's just having a grand old time in the castle without him since he's doing the dirty work for the the king, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, the cool thing about this is it was it costs nothing to make. It's like 70 minutes long. And uh, all the costumes and monsters and, and swords and everything and props, they bought at Spirit Halloween. Like the day oh, after really? Halloween for like 75% off. Then they went through all this work to like paint them. I, oh, I learned about this new thing. Movie quality. Yeah. And they did they did a great job. Like his armor looks great. Swords look great. Uh, and since this, the guy who played the headhunter got like launched into the Nordic stratosphere now because he's like, he's the Viking guy in everything. <laughs> so that's cool. I highly recommend that movie. It's on Shudder. Uh, it was before The Witcher was getting an ad- adaptation, like a show. Everyone mm-hmm. was like, this is basically like The Witcher. Right. Like, he goes out, he kills of, monsters. Uh, getting those vibes from it. Yeah, and everyone treats him like shit. So, gist of it is that. Uh, I think it really worked out, though, for the director because he was on Shockwaves and they were interviewing him. And he was talking about how, like, it really did open a lot of doors for him. People, they're thinking of other things they can do with this character and maybe some other bigger things. So I'm glad that guy's career is finally like launching. I can yeah, see why cool. it didn't after things killing, obviously, because it's like, <laughs> yeah. ah, the meme. So funny, but I'm glad that it's working out because he's definitely got chops. Also, finally got a chance to watch the director's cut of Dr. Sleep, which has many more changes than you would think would happen. So, it has 30, 30 more minutes of extra footage, and from what I can tell, just Googling around, it's all scenes from the book that were added back in, that were taken mm. out from the movie, um, which, you know, adds, adds more context for pretty much every character. There's a cool line, oh, they they added back in that the True Knot calls the regular people rubes. I guess that wasn't in the actual cut of the movie. Yeah, um, I don't think I... Like the hat ever calls anybody that, or they talk to, talk about normal people at all? Because a lot of that happens with like uh, the hat talking to that like uh, younger girl who they recruit in the beginning of the movie. Oh yeah, so that's extended a little bit too. But the most interesting thing is there are chapter markers now. There's this movie's broken up into six chapters that makes it kind of feel like a mini series. Hmm. It's broken up into six chapters overall. Nothing that's added detracts from the movie, and it feels like that the, you know, the movie Mike Flanagan wanted to make. So I highly recommend checking that out. You can watch the director's cut on Amazon. You can just rent it. But if you buy any of the Blu-rays, it comes with both cuts of the movie digitally. So I think that's definitely worth checking out, especially if you haven't seen the movie, which I'm assuming most of you haven't, since it made like 16 bucks. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I love the original cut, but. I mean, to me, the original cut was, like, 
the shortest two and a half hour movie to me. Like it, it went by so fast. Oh yeah, totally. <laughs> like I watched, the, I watched it yesterday. It was three hours. just like goes by and it's paced so well. Yeah. The shootout is like two hours into the movie. And I feel like that's just like a blip on the radar of that movie's overall scope and scale. Right. And it does bounce between a bunch of different timelines. They also do a great job of shooting on location and all these different, I guess, biomes is the, it's the wrong word, but you know what I mean? Like, right. Like different, you know, like they're sets, all over the country. Basically. Yeah. Yeah. I love that movie. I think it's so good. I can't believe that wasn't nominated for any Oscars, but I guess you only get nominated if you make money. So that's, <laughs> yeah, that's definitely something I want to check out though. Cause I love the original cut. So I'd like to see, you know, what more they added to it. Right. And then I started locking key and I liked the first episode, but then I don't like it anymore. I started watching the second episode. <laughs> it's just like the comic was gory and cool and like very horror influenced. And the show is very much trying to be more like Harry Potter, you know, like that or okay. series of unfortunate events. Like it really oh, sanitized okay. the whole thing and made yeah, it very like kiddie. It's definitely for, yeah, like a young audience. Yeah. But then they're like, oh, we name drop Tom Savini in the first episode. So we're good. Right. And it's like, no. And th- they dumbed down all the characters. Like it feels like every every actor, except for the kid who played Georgie from It, who's the main character, every other character in the show is like on autopilot. It feels like a CW show. The set design's great, but just everything else about it is so. It's it's like uh, it's like not loud enough, you know. Like nothing about mm-hmm. it really stands out. Yeah, so, this I don't know. <laughs> this show has been like the new thing that Netflix is pushing to me harder than any of the other like original stuff. Like if I end any movie or end any show, this seems to be the thing that they're like, "Why don't you try Lock and Key next?" And I haven't checked it out yet. And uh, not really familiar with the source material either. I think that they fucked up by trying to make it for a wider audience because the people who actually would have helped it, you know, blow up aren't watching it and aren't liking it because it's right, so different. They feel betrayed by it. So <laughs> you kind of alienate like your biggest fans. Yeah, it did get renewed though. So I guess people are watching it. But I think most shows on Netflix get at least two seasons. I don't know. I don't think it's very good. Maybe I should give it more than two episodes, but. I got a lot going on, and the second episode was like a major drop-off from the first one, so I don't think I'm going to go back to it. And so the movie you saw that I really want to see, I still haven't gotten a chance to check it out, is Color Out of Space. So that's like Richard Stanley's big comeback. He hasn't made a movie for 20 years, and I guess the last one he made was like a complete disaster. So And this one has like Nicolas Cage. A lot of people are liking it. Uh, so what do you think? How, how is Color Out of Space? Yeah, I mean, I walked away pretty mixed. Because um, you're really into Lovecraft. Yeah, uh, and I mean, after I watched the movie, I, uh, you know, I read the short story, and I mean, I, I like the short story a lot better than than the movie. But uh, I mean, ba- the basic story is uh, Nick Cage is the head of this small family. Uh, they're a bunch of farmers, you know, live off the land, and a meteor crashes in their farm and kind of disintegrates into the soil and starts corrupting everything the water the plants uh their mental state everything and uh there's a lot of scenes in this movie where nick cage goes full nick cage like absolutely hams it up 1000 percent, which is pretty entertaining to watch because it's nick cage going fully insane uh but i mean really other than that there's a lot of like stylistic things that are like pretty much all all flash and no substance 
Um, Nick Cage's daughter in the movie is like sort of played to be this like kind of Wicca character where she's like praying to like the nature gods and carries around a copy of the Necronomicon and has like Wicca tattoos and stuff. And like that's, that stuff is pretty cool, but that's, it's like very surface level. Like they don't really like dive into any of it. It's just like a character trait. Right. It's, it's just to like be like, Oh, isn't she the like kind of weird girl? So it's like, okay. (laughs) Um, (laughs) There, there are definitely some scenes in there though that are very reminiscent of, uh, John Carpenter's The Thing. Like, I think that's definitely a huge point of inspiration for this movie. So I would say if you're into, like, practical effects at all, you know, this weird kind of space, like, etheric horror stuff, go check it out if it's at a, you know, an art theater near you. Um, But go and expecting it to be really weird. (laughs) It's weird, because that's a SpectreVision movie, and they've been kind of getting bigger and bigger, I've heard so many good things about it. It's in like wide release here, but I've also heard everything you said, but people are just like, yeah, I mean like, it's kind of like, you know, a little too esoteric and it doesn't serve the plot at all, but you know, it's a great movie. It's like, eh. Yeah. I I mean, like to, to me, there's like, there's a lot of stuff that just is like, so like one of the side characters is uh, Tommy Chong and he's like a pothead that like lives on their farm for some reason. And okay. at, at one point he's just gone and no one ever talks about him again. Uh, the guy who plays like the kid is pretty, f- uh, like the older son is pretty forgettable and like not a good actor. Um, they have this like local college student guy that comes in and he's like studying the water table, but he also is just like a general like scientist in every single thing they need to be a scientist in. <laughs> like he knows about okay. like meteors and the water table and geology. And like, it's just like anything science related. He just is like a, is good at it for some reason. Like for He's like an index for the audience. Right. So, I mean, stuff like that is, you know, it comes off as kind of nitpicky, but like when there's big long stretches in the movie where not a lot happens and you're just kind of thinking back on stuff, you're like, huh, that doesn't really make a lot of sense. But... That was odd. That was very odd. Yeah. <laughs> cool. I, I'm going to check that out, but I'm definitely... It has a cool I'm style, though, for sure. Like, I think yeah, that... I like all the colors. Like, yeah. You know, obviously the purples and pinks and stuff like mm-hmm. that. I think that's sweet. So I'll check it out when it's on VOD. Yeah, definitely. I don't have like a strong desire to see in theaters. Um, I also wanted to ask you about, speaking of... Speaking of Lovecraft, you've also been playing Call of Cthulhu. So this was like a double... Is it a double-A game? Yeah, it's double-A. Yeah, it's not it's definitely, definitely not triple-A. It's yeah, made it's by Frogwares. They're the people behind the Sherlock Holmes games and some other stuff. Uh, I heard it's okay, um, but for Lovecraft fans, it's really good. Like It has enough that makes up for its shortcomings. Is yeah. that how you feel about it after playing it? I would agree with that. Um, yeah, I just completed my first playthrough... Um, it definitely nails the Lovecraft feel. Like, you're a detective who's, like, having these really creepy nightmares, and you go to this island that's, like, everyone's all, like, gross and kind of creepy, and they're, you know, they're catching all these weird fish, and it's, like, the whole aura of it is, like, very Lovecraft, and it nails that atmosphere, like, 100%. Really, the big shortcomings of the game are, like, you know, it is a triple A or a double A game, so it's like that's kind of missing a lot of polish on some stuff. 
uh, it doesn't look the best, but I mean, really, if you're playing it more so for like the story, I, I think that's that's worth it enough. Like it it is interesting and go gives you a lot of choices to you know explore areas and and it's really one of those games that like you get out of it what you put into it. Like if you're interested in like the lore and you read up on that kind of stuff, or you know you like Lovecraft and and the portals and sigils and like you know the creepy monsters and weird like fish gods and all that i think you'd really dig it um but if you're just kind of like a casual fan i could see it not being enough for you to like sink your teeth into yeah i feel like a lot of double a games are like that like it's not for everyone is the phrase everyone uses like it's not for everyone you know it it Mm -hmm. might be a little off-putting but i've heard some good things about it and i guess they've been patching it ever since it came out you know they did like one huge patch Mm -hmm. so it's good that they didn't abandon it i know they did release it on switch but I think it's pretty hard to run on PC, so that might not be the best place to play it. Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I'm not sure exactly, you know. I didn't really have any issues running it on mine, but I don't know really how it would perform on, on a Switch. And it, and it cool. doesn't really seem like an experience that would be, like, at all enhanced by being able to take it somewhere. <laughs> like, it's super story-driven and, you know, exploration and, like, puzzle-solving, so I don't know why... You'd like want to take that with you on the go, yeah, yeah, definitely. I might, I might check that one out. It, it, it's on something. I think it's on Game Pass. Yeah, or it's like easy to see. Uh, so George, I went back to Days Gone, which was the big Sony exclusive last year that got terrible reviews, but was the best-selling PS4 game (laughs) of the year somehow. Yeah, that was pretty crazy that it outsold everything just because it was like the big exclusive open-world game at the time. So here's the story on this game. I went and bought it day one because I really like Sony Bend. They're a cool studio. I like their Vita Uncharted. I think they made yeah, it better Uncharted cool than game. the first game. Resistance Retribution is a really cool entry in the Resistance world. And I like their Siphon Filter PSP game. So I was like, okay, going to support my boys. They've been working on this for like seven years. They're a small studio. They're only 120 people. Which For a game of this scope, now that I've played it, for a 60-hour open-world RPG, that is a tiny team. And on top of that, by the when they started working on this, that engine that everything uses, Decima, that uh, Gorilla made, mm-hmm. uh, that was not equipped for open-world at the time when they started working on this game. So that was before Horizon was even a thing. So they were like, oh, we'll use Unreal Engine 4. No other Sony... Ex- uh, exclusive uses unreal engine 4 so it launched with a lot of bugs like a uh, pop-in is really bad in it there were some audio glitches and yada yada so i went and bought it brought it home played it played a few hours of it but i ran into this issue with my ps4 where it would only accept discs if you would tap the top of it as you inserted them and that broke rest mode so like if i use rest <laughs> mode when it turned back on it just i'd have to restart the game and that game takes long as fuck to load Mm-hmm. initially so i was like ah i'll come back then around christmas i went on sale on the psn for 20 bucks decided to pick it up and then i don't know what made me play it a couple weeks ago but i did and 60 hours later here i am it's like easily up there as one of my favorite games of last year it's so good it uh i think it doesn't serve itself well by starting the exact same way as the last of us <laughs> like almost yeah. identically. i mean from what i've played of it like the story is really nothing like yeah. great. Like it's really it, it takes a while about. to introduce what the story is. 
so there's like three main plot lines that are kind of going on at once. Sort of like Assassin's Creed Odyssey, but I liked all three of these plot lines a lot more than Assassin's Creed. The first one is uh, his Deacon's best friend, Boozer, his arm gets fucked up because there's this cult that goes around and uh, they don't like people have tattoos. So they blow torch off all of his tattoos on his arms. And he's a biker, so he has a ton of tattoos. That's one plot line, trying to help Boozer with his arm, which is cool. And the second plot line is Deacon is trying to find his wife, Sarah, who you think is dead. I mean, put the pieces together. And then mm-hmm. the the third plot line is trying to find Sarah. You're introduced to Nero, which is basically FEMA. And they're studying the virus that ter- infected everyone. And you're kind of going down their plot line. But the, the key thing in this game is that it's a lot like Red Dead in the sense that you're connected to your bike, like how you're connected to your horse in Red Dead. Uh, you're always working to like upgrade your bike, but you can run out of gas. The bike can get broken down. You can get like ambushed by marauders. And in terms of like scope of the open world, I think the world is the perfect size. It has multiple different biomes that perfectly match Oregon because Bend, Sony Bend is in Oregon and it like they tweet pictures sometimes and it's like it looks like their office. Yeah, like you could tell they just like took pieces of Oregon and just put it in the game. <laughs> Yes, and the combat at first is a little rough just because you're so you're a huge disadvantage for about the first 15% of the game. So when you mix that with the story starting very rough, I can see why a lot of people would bounce off of it, but if you can get through that, which honestly is not that hard, it really opens up in a cool way. It hits its stride, and then right when you're starting to get bored of the map, it opens up and you get a completely different map that's even cooler. And that's when the story really kicks into high gear. That's when you start unlocking like a lot of the best guns in the game. And the story doesn't let you fight them, but the hordes are the coolest part of the game. So the story, you don't fight a horde until the second to last mission-ish. But the game doesn't tell you this. You can go find them whenever you want. So you can look on the map and figure out, like, you can Google it and just see where they are. And then during the day, they'll be in a cave that's that you find on the map. And so in the early beginning areas, you can go hunt down the smaller hordes early on. And that's how you unlock some better weapons earlier. And once you unlock weapons, the shooting feels great. Once you have more skills, it all really serves well to the gameplay, I think. And by the end of the game, I was taking on the biggest hordes. And, you know, I was beating them on the first try. And it gives you a really good power trip. Mm -hmm. And by the end of the story... Totally invested in Boozer, which I never thought would happen because I'm like, oh, it's like a fucking skinhead with like tattoos all the way to his forehead. Like, what? Like, what, what is this? And then by the end, I'm like, Boozer's awesome. Uh, I mean, the game's old as fuck now, so I'm, I'm just going to say his. You, you find his wife. She's a great character. She's obviously still alive. And then the Nero thing. The Nero thing doesn't wrap up until the end game. Like, there are missions after you beat the game. There's The storylines continue a few of them. Mm-hmm. And it's like, if you want to get the secret ending, you can, but it's, it's not like you really have to do anything. You just keep playing the game. Right, it's a few more the missions. secret ending. Yeah. Really. It sets up a sequel that will really differentiate itself from the last of us. Like it, it introduces a, a plot element. That's like, com- makes it a completely different game. And I feel like it was worth getting there. Uh, I, I had a lot of fun with it. I felt like the pacing was great. I never got bored. It was kind of like dying light where I finished uh, like a side mission and then i opened up the menu and it was like you did everything mm-hmm. and i was like shit like i want to play more so I, I can't recommend this game enough 
it's like I, I think it really got underserved by critics who were just like, oh, I don't like the dude bro biker. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I don't know. I think Sam Witwer was a great actor. He handled the character really well. And if you give the, it's a 60 hour game. So it's like if you give it time to, if, to like let you live in its world, you'll end up liking it. I think most people. Yeah, it's definitely one that I'm giving a second chance trying to play a little bit more of. I put a, a couple hours into it this weekend, so I think that's going to be my next uh, big game I'm going to play. I don't understand why so many developers are using Unreal 4 for open world type games, because Jedi Fallen Order had the same fucking yeah, issues where, where really hard to run levels pop in. Pop in. <laughs> yeah. It just doesn't... Like, it barely... It's just not so made annoying. for that. It runs at 30 FPS, but there's definitely chugging like when you're transitioning between areas. I hate that. I hate that it's a shooter where you're spending most of your time on a device that goes 90 miles an hour. <laughs> it like averages that speed and you have to react quickly to like trees and cars in the road and people sniping you off your bike and you're doing it at 30 frames a second. Yeah, it's really. And sometimes there are frame <laughs> That's drops. Like so far, it's one like, of the hardest things for me, like trying to use the bike at like a not breakneck speed is impossible yes <laughs> and there's obstacles and everywhere as you, you upgrade look, it so it's like right it becomes easier but yeah the first chunk of that game is like really letting you know that yeah you're you're in the shit right. that's what they call it like the, the the terminology in this game is also just hilarious like who the fuck called them creep freakers <laughs> such a weird name but then the rest of the game deacon just calls them freaks it's like that's a just call them freaks right. That's a better name. Like, what is and why would anybody call them freakers? <laughs> constantly talking about the broken road. I'm like, what is that? Like the, the highway with cars on it? And then like later, they're like literally like, yeah, you know, the broken road, Highway 97. It's like, oh, okay. And uh, But a- as you figure out what's going on with the virus and then it gets to that secret ending, very cool stuff introduced. Glad it's definitely getting a sequel because there's there's no way that Sony would have left Ben to open. Yeah. You know, and I mean, if they were obviously on something new, proved itself with the sales numbers. So, be cool. To yeah, see they did a good next. job. I mean, for how small they are, for for the fact that they started, you know, making PSP games, I think they did okay as a first. It's not as good, obviously, as God of War. I think it's better than Horizon in a lot of ways. Like people act like the story in Horizon is like God's gift to man, and I think that story was so fucking cliche <laughs> and predictable. It's like, oh, they're just old. Like, it's like, oh, the humans definitely caused this. And she's, and Aloy's a clone. Like, from moment <laughs> one, it's so clear, like, what's going on. And people are like, oh, man, that, that twist. I'm like, what twist? There's no twist in Horizon. Like, Horizon has great gameplay mm-hmm. that it throws you into. And obviously, fighting the dinosaurs is cool, and the open world looks great. But, like, that story, man, I think was just okay at best. Mm-hmm. Well, let's take a quick break, George, and then we'll get back with the news. All right, George. So this week we have a very short news section because, you know, like nothing is really happening because it's January <laughs> and February, which nothing happens in horror. But the big the big moment over the past couple weeks was that we got the Spiral trailer. Spiral from the Book of Saw, produced by Chris Rock, written by partially Chris Rock, starring Chris Rock, Samuel L. Jackson, directed by Darren Lynn Bousman, who's like second choice if you take all the Saw directors after, obviously, James Watt. 
What do you think of this trailer? I think it looks awesome. Like, I wasn't sure what to expect. I had, you know, some high hopes because Chris Rock basically said that, you know, he came in with his own originals idea and they threw out a movie and, and picked this one up. So I figured that it probably had some some good things going for it. But I I think it looks awesome. I mean, I think it's cool that it's kind of going yeah. back to this, like, grounded, like, kind of gritty, re- like, not very over-the-top <coughs> stylistic wise at least yeah um, more like seven it seems yeah like. it's trying to be more like seven or true detective right and uh, making this killer more of an actual serial killer and not like all this wacky shit i think that's a really cool way to come back to it because like obviously the old way of like upping the ante and like basically you know making it more and more gore porn every movie it d- didn't work because the last like three movies were terrible um it's like you can never stop making them you know right. like the second you stop making those kind of movies people are going to stop seeing them and then it's like the exact same situation as final destination where they come back uh i think the final destination was a lot better than jigsaw mm-hmm. but then that movie always doesn't do as well as the rest of the series like you you can't give people enough time to like think notice about it's it gone. yeah <laughs> um, like it's like call of duty like you they start marketing the next Call of Duty almost before the game's right. out, you know? Uh, so, uh, the trailer's great, though. It doesn't really show a lot, but the, the shot of Samuel L. Jackson, he does have that jaw trap on, which I get that the jaw trap is kind of iconic to Saw, but it's been in so many of the movies now. Like It was in Jigsaw, it was in Saw, it was in Saw 2. Pops up all throughout the seven-movie franchise, or eight-movie franchise. I wish they were moving past that, but then I look down and I see that all of his fingers, there. it looked like there was something around his fingers, but I kind of zoomed in on it, and it looks like something or someone like chopped off all the tips of all of his fingers, <laughs> and there's like needles in the bone. Did you see that? No, I, I didn't look at it that closely. I was like, man, what the hell's going on here? It looked pretty cool. Uh, Samuel Jackson kind of took me out of it because it was kind of cliche. He's just like... You won't play a game, motherfucker. Yeah. And it's like, okay, that's that's same. That's you know, Samuel Jackson. He's in the movie, right. but I think it's clear that Lionsgate's confident in it because it's getting out of the way of Halloween. And dude, it literally has one of the best movie posters I think I've ever yeah. seen. Yeah, I mean, great. If that's an indication of how good the movie is going to be, then I think we're we're in store for something actually pretty cool. Right, and I don't know. I'm obviously really excited to see it. Doesn't have a lot of competition when it's coming out. Uh, I think, I think it's gonna be a good year for horror. Kind of worried about that Candyman movie that comes out in June, but hasn't gotten a trailer yet. Yeah, that's a little worrying. Um, uh, <laughs> I think we would see something on that by now, but uh, who knows? Uh, I'm excited for Saw or Spiral. I'm gonna keep calling it Saw. It's called Spiral from the Book of Saw, which is a weird title, to be fair. Yeah, because so- and also I noticed from the Book Wait, of what? Saw. Like, what does that mean? It's like a, not a not a novel adaptation. Yeah. I was just going to say, I hope that's part of the plot, why they would call it the Book of Saw. <laughs> like, did Jigsaw write a Bible? Right. Like, a serial killer Bible or something? Like, that'd be kind of cool, right? Yeah, I mean, that'd be... I'd be into that. Interesting. Yeah. I hope it's explained. <laughs> <laughs> that's all I'm saying. But um, in the American trailer, like, where it says Spiral from the Book of Saw, it's all the same font. But in the UK one, they use that weird-ass Saw logo for the word Saw. Hmm. 
Just like, just in case. So I feel like Saw is a lot bigger here than it must be overseas, but I'm excited for that. But George, I'm hearing Dr. Loomis die again, which means we have a pretty big Halloween alert. So George, have you heard about this test screening for Halloween kills? No, I haven't. Tell me about it. Okay. So test screenings, they happen all the time. They've become a big thing over the past few years because all, you know, cosmicbook.com and comicboy97 on Twitter, <laughs> you're really obsessed with test screenings now. Which is where the studio says, okay, we got our movie almost done. We're going to show it to like a very focused, tested group of audience. Like, we want five girls, five guys, five people who've seen Halloween, five people who haven't, five people who hate it, and five people who like loved Halloween 2018. Get They put out way more invitations than they have seats so that a bunch of people show up so they can get all their demographics filled out, right? Mm-hmm. Se- seems pretty like standard. So... The difference is with Halloween Kills, they announced early that it was a screening for Halloween Kills. Like usually they'll use a yeah, different they'll use name. Yeah, like a fake name so that it's not that crazy of like people Yeah, they do that. It. Yeah, to prevent exactly what happened where a bunch of, you know, news boards and redditors showed up and then lied to get like lied about the fact that they were huge Halloween fans, got it in the screening, immediately jumped on Reddit and spoiled the entire movie. <laughs> like <laughs> top to bottom. And the moderator on the Halloween movie subreddit is like mad with power. He's like, I don't regret it. I'm happy that I did it. But like, I was threatened by the studio. And I I saw this dude on there being like, this is a verbatim quote from this guy. Test screens are like Sunday dinners. They just want to scare you by making you think they're going to come after you. And then it was like two days later. I don't regret what I did, but the studio came after me. I was like, oh my God, that's so funny. (laughs) But, uh... Because you have to sign like an NDA, right? Yeah, and I also heard... You've signed a major NDA that says they can sue you for a million dollars. Like, even if they aren't going to, you'd think you wouldn't fuck around with a threat like that. Right. You know? Like, I don't know. I just... I would be pissed. I would be pissed if I worked on that movie and people did that, but I guess that's just me. Uh... So basically, the good thing is that the test screening went off, like, incredible. Like, everyone fucking loved this movie. I haven't seen one negative take about it. The one thing I see a lot of people say is it's like Halloween on acid. Like it's just fucking balls to the wall from second one. It picks up immediately after the end of Halloween 2018 and just goes. And uh, it, from what I've heard, it ups the brutality a lot. The body count is higher than any Halloween movie. And all of the returning characters do a great job. The one thing that everyone said that really made me happy though is that apparently every character gets like a defining arc in this movie no matter what like to the smallest side character who's shown like everyone gets an arc and i think that's pretty cool yeah especially when we've seen like rumors and casting for some of the older characters coming back it'll be interesting to see you know that they have like a fully realized beginning middle and end for each of those characters yeah so i'm really excited for it the one thing i thought was crazy is that people flew in from other states to go to this test screening oh, really because obviously yeah when the email went out on this like these test screening sites where you can sign up people were immediately signing up and then they would fly out here and they would get in line at like 10 in the morning for a 7 p.m screening and then apparently they were like crying when they uh went got sent home and a few people were like calling the people running the screening racist and shit like apparently it's like a total 
like just meltdown happened there. <laughs> it was just a total shit show from beginning. To I, end. I don't understand what the yeah, like this concept of like it's a test screening. It's not for fans of Halloween. You know, right. like it's not like a fan secret fan screening. Only true believers of Halloween can come <laughs> to the screen. It's like no, they're trying to collect data so that the movie the Halloween fans get to see in October is as good as it could possibly be. Like yeah, it sucks that you got sent home, but like what valuable feedback were you going to provide other than like I liked when Michael Myers killed people. You know, like. Right. It's yeah, not, it, it sucks not for that fans to seat. see the movie. It's for like yes. the studio to make changes if they need to. Yes, it sucks that your seat was given to someone who might not like the franchise, but their opinion on the movie is valid because they need to make as much money as possible at the end of the day. And the test screening for Halloween 2018 was important because it showed them that the ending of the movie was too rushed, so they had to go back and reshoot it. You know, like mm-hmm. it's important that they get that feedback. And if it's just a screening full of Halloween fans who are biased as fuck towards the franchise, they're just going to say it's great. Right. And that Unless really... it's like god awful. <laughs> yeah. And that doesn't really do anything for the people who are working on the movie. Yeah. It's like, thanks for your review. Because, you know, that's what they did with H2O. They had a bunch of Halloween fans come to the test screening. They all said it was amazing. And look how that turned out. Yeah. <laughs> so it's just, it was, it was a whole mess. And then so James Drew Courtney... He did an interview on YouTube with Pop Culture with Pat. Uh, I guess it's it's kind of like a podcast type deal. Okay. I listened to the whole thing. It's like 30 minutes long. And he said, we have to make the natural progression from 1978 to 2018 Halloween Kills. The ante has to be upped. The ticking bomb has to be more intense. Otherwise, we're just doing what we've done before. And he said, we pumped up the volume. We pro- we've progressed late into the night. And now that everyone realizes what the stakes are, it's reaching ahead. It's the 2018 film on speed. So I think he's making a very smart and cogent point here. He made it really clear in the interview that like when he talks about doing things that have never been done before, he's only talking about Halloween, Halloween 2018, because that's the timeline they're in. Right. So they really wanted to make sure that the continuity of that movie is a like, you know, a constant up, not like. Well, this one's a little less brutal, and then ends is going to be more brutal. Like they're on mm-hmm. a trajectory, so I think everything's looking good in Haddonfield. Yeah, I'm definitely excited for this, and I mean it's still wild to me that we're getting Halloween movies back to back years in October. Yeah, I was worried about the fact that we already know that this one's getting a sequel that's named. You know, yeah, I was like, oh, does that take the edge off anything that could happen in this? But hearing all of these opinions from people makes me a lot less nervous. I'm like, okay. So obviously this, they had a lot of confidence in the story David Gordon Green came up with. And that interview is cool because James Drew Courtney was talking about how he said that there was a moment on set for Halloween 2018 when like him, Turek, Jamie Lee Curtis, John Carpenter all kind of like like had a moment where they like understood what they had. He was like, it was like a moment of clarity where we all understood like what we were making and what we had with Halloween 2018. So we all made sure... That there, if there was a sequel, we'd all get to come back for it. So they signed contracts early and stuff. Like they all just kind of like knew that they had a right. good movie on their hands. Yeah, something. I special. think that's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. Apparently, ninety nine point nine percent of the crew that worked on Halloween twenty eighteen came back for this. Like a lot of people left other commitments to come back for this movie, and presumably they'll be back for Halloween ends. So it seems like even though they kind of, I heard they had like a stressful set for Halloween 2018 because they started filming because they like had to because right. really getting down to the wire and they were still writing the script. It feels like that stress kind of like made a good team 
that right. knows how to Kinda work like together. Kind of everybody together. Mm-hmm. And uh, he also said David Gordon Green, you know, checks his ego at the door. He's like a really passionate dude, really cares about the franchise, but he also cares about everyone who's working on it. He's basically just like James Drew Courtney. You know, he like modernized Michael Myers, did a great job playing him. This dude goes on this half hour interview and just talks about how cool everyone else is. <laughs> And, like, and it sucks for him like, too because he got like totally snubbed in terms of oh yeah just talking about <laughs> how nick castle, nick castle was <laughs> was michael myers but he was the one doing 99 percent of it like literally 99 percent. like nick castle's on one shot <laughs> the entire movie it's like he's looking down or two shots i think it's like when he's on the porch at the end when it's the reverse where he's looking down at Lori, and then i think it's when he's looking at her in the mirror in julian's house um, but this movie, it's really come a long way from a fake script being passed around. <laughs> oh, you know what else sucked real quick? People were like, uh, t- talking about, they're like, yep, this test screening confirmed the script is fake. And it's like, yeah, the test screening confirmed that. You know, I didn't do it two and a half weeks before the test <laughs> screening, you know? <laughs> it's like, what the, what the fuck? <laughs> it's so annoying. But... I'm excited for Halloween Kills. That's that's the gist of it. Yeah, I mean, it's obviously good to hear some good news about it. Early reactions are good. Seems to be shaping up to be probably the best, you know, trilogy of Halloween movies. Best three in a row, for sure. Yeah, I'm working on kind of a longer video about Halloween. And I was looking at old scripts of, like, stuff that almost happened. Mm-hmm. And at one point, the guys who made Drive Angry 3D... And my bloody Valentine 3D. We're making <laughs> Halloween a third 3D. movie. Yeah. Oh, how'd you guess? Uh, they're making <laughs> Halloween 3D, but it was going to be a sequel to Rob Zombie's Halloween 2. And it was going to pick up after Lori Dome's bracket by accident at the end of that movie. Yeah. And she's going to be in a mental hospital. And then Michael comes to kill her, obviously. But it's revealed <laughs> that Michael is actually a Frankenstein made of serial killer's body parts. I mean, as stupid as that is, I would love to see that movie. <laughs> right. I would have loved to see it play out. Because, like, you know, we'd look back on it now and be like, that's terrible. But I remember us, like, sneaking into all these garbage movies. Like, remember the Texas Chainsaw Massacre at the beginning? Right. And we were like, these are fucking awesome. We snuck into the Nightmare on Elm Street, remember? Yeah. The remake. And we were like, that was fun. That was, like, garbage. But that was fun. Yeah. And, of course, the one we don't get into is the only good one, which is Friday the 13th. <laughs> George and I got turned away from Friday the 13th when we were 16. And it was a really sad moment in my life. <laughs> Can't win them all. That was a long time ago, though. Oh, I was like, oh, is that movie 10 years old? No, it's not. Because it came out. No, it's 29, 2009. Yeah. Shit, man. That movie's 11 years old. Yeah. That's crazy. <laughs> well, that's sad. Um, but... Everything's coming back. That's good. Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Fetty Alvarez. He's bringing that back. Uh, that was just announced. They got two directors on that. So things are looking up for all the franchises except for Friday the 13th. And Texas Chainsaw <laughs> Massacre got a shout out at the Oscars. Wait, really? <laughs> yeah. Uh, I missed it. When uh, Bong Ho was uh, collecting his Oscar for Best Picture, he said he wishes... He could have cut it in half, to Texas Chainsaw Massacre style, and shared it with all the other directors. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> I like that. That's pretty cool. 
Well, I I don't think there's a better note we can end on than that. You got anything else to say, George? No, just go see Birds of Prey. I don't want that movie to fail. Yeah, what the fuck? Go see Birds of Prey. And watch Doctor Sleep. Watch Doctor Sleep. Jesus Christ. God damn, you guys should feel bad. WB needs word of mouth because their marketing team is the worst. 